Hello, and welcome back to the Healthcare Executive Insights Podcast. My name is Elliot Sloan with the McCallum Group, and today we are very excited to welcome our guests. We have Carrie Barber from the Centers for Advanced Orthopedics, and she is the CEO at the Division of Ortho Maryland. Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. My pleasure. It's nice to meet you and be with your group. Likewise. So let's start with an introduction. Uh, tell us a little bit about your professional background and Ortho Maryland. I've been working in healthcare for over 30 years, working in many different positions, both private practice and university settings. Currently, I'm the CEO for Ortho Maryland and have been for the last um, five years. Have worked with them on several different occasions because it's just a practice that I love and orthopedics is part of my heart. But um, I have been um, in operations and management and um, using all my skill sets to keep us going and thriving in this new healthcare role we're in. Yeah, terrific. Thank you for that introduction. So it sounds like you've been a part of really large university-based health systems, as well as private practices that are really leaders in their local communities. Correct. Yes. Tell me how those two uh, you know, professional experiences really helped hone you into uh, the role you're in today. I think it's experience in different kinds of subspecialties. It's experience in the um, workforce and how different practice size thrive and how they adjust to the changes in healthcare, which just happen all the time. And so how do we keep up with the government changes? How do we keep up with the changes and dynamics of patient care and insurance coverage, staff participation in the, the type of practices we've been in? So it's been a wide breadth and um, I've needed every experience. Sure. You must be um, a problem solver. I say anyone who is a leader in healthcare loves solving problems. We do. And change. Um, you know, I love to lead change. And that's, I think, um, a success for me. Awesome. I'm sure there's never a dull day over at Ortho Maryland. Tell us a little bit more about the capacity and um, the organization. So we are a private orthopedic group that's been around almost 100 years. So great base, wonderful providers, great philosophy and a heart to stay private, which means that we can connect to our patients and do what we think is right. We are a part of the Centers for Advanced Orthopedics, and we did that so that we could stay private. It is a lot of private orthopedic practices that have pulled together and utilized resource um, buying ventures and um, strengths to stay strong in the marketplace and to be able to really stay ahead of changes. Sure. So it's a physician-owned uh, or physician-led um, MS, physician yeah. MSO that you guys joined? Correct. Both physician-owned and physician-led. So yes. That's awesome. And I know that's important to a lot of providers out there who have spent decades building their brand and building their uh, their teams and and their um, presence in their in their markets. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of providers thinking about what they're going to do for retirement and what their five-year plan is. And um, you see so much consolidations happening, but you fear if you, you know, get absorbed by private equity or a large health system, what does that do for patient care? Yeah, correct. I think um, physicians by nature want to do what's right. They don't want their decisions to be driven by what the government wants them to do or what an owner wants them to do, but what really is in the best interest of the patient. And so that's kind of my role as to how to keep the organization strong 
financially healthy, be able to move and change as we need to so that they can do what they do best, and that's treat patients. That's terrific. Well, with 100 providers, you must have a huge team to make the operation flow and perform as it needs to. Um, talk to me about the... So I'm going to correct you on that. Centers for Advanced Orthopedics has several hundred. Ortho Maryland does not. Got it. Okay. So um, talk to me about the challenges um, over the past few years of finding high quality staff and team members to help support the growth that you guys have been experiencing? Staffing's been a challenge because I think the world has been a challenge and I think people are so unsure of where they fit, what's the right thing, how do they keep themselves safe, how do they keep their families safe, um, the challenges and shifting and changing when people upsized and everything shut down and people downsized and it created just this instability in the working marketplace that had staff confused and angry and um, unsure of where they should be or even if they wanted to be in healthcare. Sure. Um, so we made some swift changes during COVID to try to keep people safe, to keep our patients safe, to keep our staff safe, sending people home as did much of the world, right? And so really after that kind of the, the main part of that calmed down and we were able to bring people back into the office, it was pretty easy to see that staff wanted that flexibility of being able to work from home or being able to work from the office or they didn't want flexibility at all and they just wanted to stay home. So as the challenges in the workforce kind of grew and it got harder and harder to keep staff, this was certainly a really positive way to create a position that was sought after and um, desired by staff. Yeah, talk to me more. What type of strategy did you deploy to help accommodate these employees that have been a, a valuable asset to the team, but now they have the you know options of potentially working from home for other organizations, right? How do you accommodate and keep the wheels um, you know, moving on a, on a large operation. So we were very lucky that we actually started looking into this and thinking about this prior to the hit of COVID, but um, some of those problem solving got fast tracked. So keys and changes in the marketplace so that you can have all of your software in the cloud was a huge improvement for the workplace. Having telephone systems that are voice over IP and you don't have to have telephone closets anymore was a big improvement and allowing people to stay connected. And then just really being open-minded and having your leadership team start to think about the fact that you don't need to manage people, you need to manage workflow. And if you take all of those things and put them together, you really find that the challenges that um, might still be there in the last residual pieces of having somebody work from home are easier solved when people are really working towards that goal. For us, it started with the lease that was going to end. And did we really want to continue to spend money in space for people that didn't necessarily need to be on our footprint and to redeploy those resources into opening up bigger footprints for patients? That was our driving force. And from there, we engaged our staff who are excited and um, really involved in the problem solving of getting them to work from a home position. Wow. So you are really the brave um, 
team leading the pack of uh, wanting to set a precedent in the space that it can be done, allowing a large portion of your administrative team to work from home and you can still get the product productivity that you would expect and maybe more from a traditional in-office setting for the administrative team. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say the fact that um, if you assume that staff are not um, taking opportunities to be unproductive in your office, you're mistaken because it does happen. And so it really is giving them the opportunity, understanding that you can trust them, but putting tools in place to make sure that you are monitoring your workflow and that by engaging them to understand that that is a key to the success from them being able to work from home, they will embrace it. And now we have a waiting list for these jobs. So they know that if they're not going to follow the rules of the work from home progress and making sure that the work gets done and gets done to the best of their ability, there will be somebody else that will want that job. And so it has been really key to helping people buy into and desire these positions. Sure. Is there any specific tools like project management tools or time tracking tools that you are thinking of that would be like a a software solution that really made a lot of this feasible? There's lots of solutions out there and lots of opportunities. There are software that you can use to track the productivity of people on their computers, keystrokes, um, screen sharing, um, softwares for connecting in chats and um, email groups. Um, it is allowing the small teams to stay together. It's allowing big teams to stay together. It allows me to drop in and see how somebody is doing. We can do these video calls mm-hmm. and it connects people, not just picking up the phone and speaking with them, but connecting with them in their place and they can connect with me at my place. Sure. Um, so yeah, there's lots of opportunities to do that. We're fully transparent in the tools that we use and we are Uh, using this opportunity to really define their positions and the expectations of the positions, giving them an opportunity to be um, participating in those um, and how it is viewed and felt from a staff viewpoint, as well as an organization viewpoint. And when those can come together, it creates a strength in the organization that they feel bought into the success of the organization and how they are a part of that. It seems like you're really developing a unique culture at the organization with giving so much flexibility and freedom to your team to basically say, I trust you and I want to give you the lifestyle that fits for you. And I know you're going to live up to the challenge when I'm not looking over your shoulder every second. We're hoping. It's always a little scary when you get there, but I think that's what's working for us. You know, where we can be flexible with hours or days or shifts, um, we are. And then there are some places that we're not as flexible with those. When the phones ring, somebody has to be there to answer them. Um, When the doctor's looking for their secretary, they have to be working in the same hours. But where we can, we're flexible. And where we're not, we we make sure that we have the opportunities to ensure that we've looked at our teams, that we're right-sized, that people have flexibility of breaks, that, um, that it works for everybody, all parties. Sure. It's got to be a symbiotic relationship. Agreed. Yeah. Now, and they're, then they're bought into the success of our organization. Yeah. It seems like culture is an important mission for you as, as a CEO and um, making sure that 
there is uh, voices heard across the board from all teams and, and staff members. Can you share with me any insights as far as, um, you know, how important you feel that the culture is to have a successful um, private medical practice? Culture is really key because, you know, your team can either be pulling with you and helping you go places, or they can be pulling against you and stopping your forward movement. So it is key. It's been hard in these last few years because people are very focused on how they're going to survive from day to day, week to week, month to month. And so we need to know that we are all standing together in this really hard world. And by standing together, we're stronger as a unit than we are as an individual. It's hard sometimes to connect the needs of a single person with the needs of an organization. Sure. So communication, I think, is a big key. Um, setting, you know, boundaries is another big key that you can say, hey, you know, what you're doing impacts others and the organization and it's not successful in that realm. So let's pull together and figure out how we can make both sides work. We win together and we lose together. That's true. Do you use any tools to have open communication? I know in my organization, we use Slack because everyone's on it and it's quick messaging and project management tools. Um, have you found any great communication tools so you're not having to pick up the phone to get in touch with people? HIPAA is obviously a big thing in healthcare. So we sure. try to keep ours contained to where we know ours is based through Microsoft Teams Got it. because we own a corporate account. And so everybody's on it with their own email, but it allows them to set up chat teams and it allows sure. them to set up, you know, team emails and, and those kind of things. So that's been really helpful for us. That's wonderful. Um, how about any of the, uh, you know, mid-levels or even providers doing telemedicine, have you seen this shift also move over to the patient-provider relationship with patients wanting to get seen from home and providers also liking to provide maybe initial consults from home? We did more of that during COVID and we have found that it wasn't as successful as um, maybe we thought that there might be some future for keeping a small thread of it. But we find that patients often want to come to have a connection with their provider. Yeah. And unless there's just a real challenge that they can't physically get to the workplace, they prefer to have that personal connection. So although we shifted during COVID and we did some, we find that it's very minimal now. Sure. And as an orthopedic group, you need to get your hands on the patient to do a workup, I'm sure. That's true. There's only a small piece that can be done from home successfully to the best of our ability. But, you know, we were there available for it when it happened, but we found that just patients want to be here. Sure. Um, uh, but I'm sure you've noticed that uh, patients, although maybe they want to come in, uh, the landscape of healthcare has transitioned into a customer service business, right? Where Patients yeah. want things on demand and they want to cater to them in a white glove type service. Um, how have you had to pivot to kind of make sure that the patients, uh, a patient centric approach um, and a high end customer service approach versus I'm the doctor, you're the patient, sit and wait for me and I'll get to you when I'm ready. So Ortho Maryland is really unique in the aspect that we wow. opened our doors over 10 years ago to, to offer a walk-in type care for the exact reason that that's what patients wanted. When you're hurting, you feel like that you need to be seen. Wow. You didn't want to make an appointment that was down the road. You wanted to be able to take care of that concern now. 
So we opened that door and all we've done is expand that opening and it has been incredibly successful. And along with that, this work from home model has helped us because we now expand our, our telephone hours. We expand the opportunities for people to communicate with our staff and to get their answers quickly. So um, yeah, patient-centric has been a big driving force in making sure that this is successful for us too. That's wonderful. And how big of an operation, how many um, different communities are you serving? We have three locations right now as we continue to try to grow in other areas in, in the state of Maryland. We have 13 surgeons. Wow. And um, so, yeah, we, we want to make sure that we offer care when patients need it. Absolutely. Um, so my last question would be, you know, what is the five-year plan? What are you excited for uh, in the future of Ortho Maryland? And uh, what's the next challenge you'll be tackling? You know, five years in healthcare is a long time when things are changing so fastly, but we we have, um, when they're changing so fast, we have our 100th birthday coming up in, in 2025. So that is wow. a big deal for us. We really intend to take full advantage of that, to celebrate the success, to celebrate the history of Ortho Maryland, and to celebrate our part in the Centers for Advanced Orthopedics. Um, we want to be able to make sure that patients know that that's been our goal all along and just how we deliver that care by what mechanism from where, whether it's from home or from the office, that that um, staying focused on patient care has what's made a success. And that really is my job is to make sure that all these other challenges that come up, that I make sure we pave the way so that the physicians can continue to do what they wanted to do when they went to school. And that's take care of patients. Wow. A hundred years. Not many people can say they've made it to a century of providing fantastic care to the community. So congratulations and kudos on that. Uh, you. You've probably been serving five generations of families. We do. We have families all the time and they come in and say, you treated my mother, you treated my grandmother, you treated my kids. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's a great place to be. It's amazing. Thank you so much for your time. And I want to also congratulate you on uh, just being courageous enough to really push for this work from home model and building a very um, successful and productive team. I think a lot of people run from that. A lot of people are screaming, get them back in the office, but they just haven't figured out how to navigate it correctly. And it seems like you've proven that if you can do it correctly, your team will even push that much harder for success as an organization as a whole. Well, thank you for the time to talk about it. It was a pleasure being here. Yeah, the pleasure was all ours. Thanks again, Carrie, and best of luck. Thank you.